The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf Nemo of Detroit, the hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw them buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw them buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh. Big Gretz got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretz with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw them bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretz. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretz. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretz. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretz. Throw the buffs on her face. Cause that's Big Gretz. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretz. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretz. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretz. Big Gretz. everybody this is the Tom Sumner program and uh, my guest this hour we're going to be talking um, about photography and a new book by um, 
Boy, I just looked at the wrong place on my notes. The The book is called Think Before You Shoot. It's by Santino Zaffirano, who joins me by phone. Good morning, Santino. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. I was I was looking at something. I was looking at a note about uh, the foreword to the book by Ken Chang, mm-hmm. and I almost said "Think Before You Shoot" by Ken Chang. And I, <laughs> yeah, Ken is a really uh, he's a good friend of mine. We both uh, had fashion studios uh, in New York City. That's kind of how I started in the fashion field. And uh, Ken teaches at the School of Visual Arts in, in New York City, and. Uh, you know, he's a great teacher himself and uh, knows about, a lot about photography like I do. I, I've been in the business over 45 years and uh, teaching uh, for a very long time as well and as a professional shooting as well. Uh, but we have a school in Los Angeles that, uh, you know, I wanted to reach more people. So that's why I created the book. And uh, so far, it's had some great play. Like I said, we were just in New York City doing a book sign at the Museum of Modern Art. Um, they picked up my book, and that's that's a big deal for me because uh, I grew up in New York City, and uh, to have a museum that recognizes your artwork and to be with other photographers for 150 years, that's a great recognition. Plus, the Broad Museum here in Los Angeles picked it up, which is another uh, great museum here in los angeles that's great so, is is it um santino is it primarily a collection of photographs or is there a good question a lot more behind the scenes stuff as the title it, think before you shoot would imply yeah there is the reason the publisher picked it up um it's a combination it's never been done before it's a combination of a fine art book so it's a it's a good table book but i didn't make it as big as a coffee table book it's a nine by twelve so the photographs are represented really well so it's my work but what i did was the book is 204 pages so there's a lot of images there but what i did out of 204 pages i put in 21 techniques with photographs to show how to improve your photograph uh taken so these techniques have, are proven techniques. If you put three or four of any of these techniques, you will always have a great photograph. It's things that we miss. And that, that's why I call the book Think Before You Shoot, The Art of Taking Creative Photographs. So it's a combination of my uh, work. And, and one of the things I was very conscious to do was not to make every photo a killer photograph. Because when you're learning, you want to be, it has to be obtainable. So a lot of the photographs you look at and you say, wow, I really love this photograph. And then you look at it and you look at the technique, you know, you start to say, I, I could do this. And I made it so easy that I, the description is only two paragraphs. And that was the hardest thing in the book is to make sure I describe the technique so it would be easier for people to learn. And then I put a third paragraph in there, which sort of, let's talk about what, why is this technique so important and what makes it a good photograph? So, so far it's had some really great success out there. Anybody who's bought the book really loves looking at all these other great pictures to support those techniques. And, and when you get into those techniques, in this day and age, Santino, everybody with a phone has a camera. 
<laughs> fashions Correct. themselves yeah. a photographer. But yeah, is yeah. that is that um, I don't know watering so, down the world of imagery at all? Well, that's a great question, especially now. Uh, we have we take more pictures now than ever in the history of photography, but we take more bad pictures now than ever before. So what I wanted to do in the book, and, and like I said, I laid it out in such a way is that uh, I want to undo what I call the snapshot shooting. We just basically click, click, click away. We then look at our photographs. We don't like what we see. We start to delete them, colorize them. I call them the Instagram button. You know, we colorize them, <laughs> saturate them. And uh, uh, I want to undo that. And that's what the book actually does because then we think we're bad photographers. No, you're not bad photographer. It's just that you didn't think before you shot and you didn't know the techniques to use. So, like, I could go into, like, one of uh, one of the most important. They're all, they're all important techniques but one of the most important is that <clears throat> the background is more important than the foreground now we usually our brain thinks the opposite the opposite way is that before photographing a person uh we think that uh that person is the most important and they are but if you don't choose a good background you actually have taken away 50 percent of the impact of that person of the positive space so just by learning to look at the background, we can move people or just change our angle a little bit. And so if we start to think that way, we will get better photographs, but we don't. And again, I, we're, I'm trying to undo that. And, we, and I've done it with our classroom for over 20 years. We've had our school now for 20 years, but I've been doing it for longer. And I just realized that's such a simple thing for people to really just think about it and that's what I that's why I called the book think before you shoot because we shoot way too fast and we think we're gonna miss the shot and we're not gonna miss the shot but you know we've been told over the years Santino um, by some of the great sports photographers for example and they get yeah. these mm -hmm. these <clears throat> great yeah. images with a guy going over the uh, the goal line with a football tucked under mm -hmm. his arm and he's two feet off the ground, you know. And we, we've we seen these amazing images and we've been told that's instinct, that they know yes. when to grab the shot. But yeah. how can you how can you do that by thinking before you shoot? Okay, so there are several things that, so sports photography or if you're shooting animals, those you have to, you know, track them and, and react. No, you have to, you have to study them. They, a, a sports photographer doesn't just go onto the field and say, okay, I'm going to shoot them, shoot the shot when the person's going up on a gold or, uh, you know, there's a tackle or whatever the action is. They do a couple of things before they, they make sure that their metering is correct. Their lighting is correct. Now, the, the hard part is I'll give you one of the hardest things in, in sports. If you're um, going from, say, the bright area of the field to a shadow area of the field, you have to then decide, and you have to, and again, I go into that's one of the techniques in the book, is to meter with 
your light. So on a let's say let's take it to the basic. Like you have a camera phone. Because again, right now, so many people have a camera phone. One of the things we don't do with the camera phone is you need to touch the screen because it then measures the light. So if I know the person is going to be near the goal and that area of the light is brighter, you need to touch that part of that screen and then get ready. So as soon as they go near the goal, your metering is done. Uh, another part of that camera is focus point, which is a point that I use in, in my uh, camera. So many things are out of focus. And so on a camera phone, you need to, again, touch that part of it. So if someone is actually moving towards a goal, I would just get ready and actually touch my screen right where that goal is and wait for that person to get there and then take the shot. So we just react too fast. We click. All of a sudden, our pictures are out of focus, and we think we're bad photographers. Again, we just don't know certain techniques to use. Now, for professional photographers like yourself, mm -hmm. Santino, is is digital photography um, limiting or is it opening up more possibilities? Oh, it is. It has opened up. When I used to shoot film, again, been in business for 45 years, and photography right now, the digital, we basically are in... Star Wars land. Um, everything we ever wanted, any, everything we ever wanted in film, we have exceeded in digital. Like one of the things is for your more well uh, educated for professional, they know ISO, which is uh, it's it's an acronym. It's called International Standard Organization. It doesn't matter. It meters the light. So on your box of film, there used to be an ISO 400 or an ISO uh, you know 100. Right now with digital, we're up to a quarter million ISO. The fastest film ever created was 1600, and we hated it because we would have grain or what they call now pixelation. Uh, we never liked that, so we used to stay in the lower ISO. Imagine now we're at a quarter million ISO, and we could meter really, really well, almost shoot it in very, very low light conditions or bright conditions, which was very difficult in those days. And, uh, you know, we could take color anywhere we wanted now in post-production. So we definitely, it, it has helped. It has helped. And and with um, with that in mind, has it has it made it a little bit easier easier to be where you need to be to get good shots because you're not lugging light gear around and you know a, a big bag of film on your shoulder yeah that's the biggest one is that uh when i was doing a, a shoot um especially outdoors i had to make sure i had enough different iso films so if i was shooting brightest sunlight i would have a 100 as it got a little lower i would go up to 800 and we had to make sure you know imagine being on a shoot and then all of a sudden say oh i didn't i didn't bring that film or i didn't bring that you know right iso now we don't have to worry about it because it's all in the camera we could it's all in the chip and uh we could change it so yeah absolutely more with photographer santino zaffarana straight ahead 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Attorney General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with photographer Santino Zaffirana. Straight ahead. What digital has done, especially now with with the better ISOs, is it's get um, more uh, an accurate exposure. And that's what the camera phones have done. It gives you a more accurate exposure than we, you know, used to be before. You know, remember the old meters that you have to, in fact, your cameras didn't even meter. You had a handheld meter. You used to meter your subject matter, you know, then it went into the camera, into the DSLR, and now to camera phones, it, the meter is in there. But you have to know how to use it correctly. And that's why I was saying that example with the sports or if you're changing light, just touch uh, the screen. And, again, one of the techniques is that I show is the best light for people. I go into uh, one of the 21 techniques. The best light is usually closest to the subject, but not on the subject. So if you, let's say you're in a shadow area, if you get closer to the light, but not in the light, that's when you would meet on the person's face because they have the best light. And one of the techniques that I show is one of the best light that people take for granted is window light or door light. And again, you put somebody close to the window and you will get some beautiful light. But again, don't let them be in the, the, in the light because then it, you're running into a sort of a contrast area and then the meter doesn't go in your camera, doesn't know what to do. Well, a lot of times, uh, at least it's been, you know, sort of my experience, and I am by no means a, a professional uh, photographer. I wouldn't even consider myself an avid hobbyist. But, uh, you know, I've taken pictures of my kids and, you know, different things I've been involved with, events I've been at and so on. And the thing that I run into all the time is that with the camera phones and even some uh, some digital cameras, is they will automatically focus on a person, and then the background becomes sort of hazy. Correct. Correct. What and yeah. and what's well, going on there, and how can how can we avoid doing that? Because you said sure. earlier how important the background is, and I agree. You know where yeah. the picture happens yeah. is important too. Yeah. So on a digital uh, DSLR they have different focus points and usually out of the box they have the focus point that it's not a single point it's the whole screen is being measured and so you have to go into your camera and put it to a single point focus point so this way when you're actually pointing your camera if you're pointing at a person it should focus on that person alone and not drift off to the background. So that's one of the, again, with DSLR, you have to actually change uh, because they preset everything uh, to make everything average, which I explained with our students, one of the first things that we do is change the focus point because if you're pointing at something, you want wherever you're pointing it to be, 
the sharpest point. So if you point at somebody's face, that will be the sharpest point, and the background should be softer. Uh, it involves something else called depth of field, which I do get into in the book. That is one of the techniques, and we could actually do it on camera phones these days or DSLRs. But you're perfectly right. I mean, you have to make sure that whatever you're focusing on is the sharpest point in your subject because your eye is going to drift if if another it goes to somewhere else. How did you go from um, basically field work, being out, you know, shooting pictures and, and selling the pictures and so on, to... Um, Teaching. How did, how did you get interested in teaching and sharing what you Well, I, I've always been sort of a restless kind of person in, refer, in reference. So I like to learn, learn, learn. And so I have a very wide variety of experiences. So like I said, I started out in as a uh, young photographer at 18 years old, and I was doing all sorts of different work portraiture, you know, photographing friends. And uh, and then all of a sudden I, I met another photographer and, uh, you know, he said, hey, why don't you come and, uh, you know, help me out in my studio. And he was doing some fashion work and then I opened up my own studio. But the way I got into uh, teaching was, um, you know, I, I got my education. I have my master's in photography, both my uh, undergraduate and my master's. And, um, you know, I was teaching at different high schools back east, but uh, then while I had my studios. Uh, so I was always constantly uh, educating as well as always have my studios. But then in 1984, um, again, I, I, I have to, I have a wide background. So by time in 1984, the Olympics here in Los Angeles happened. I was living in New York City. And Fuji films as some people might know uh um they were one of the next to kodak uh they were a huge company but they weren't here in the united states as big so they took over the olympics in 1984 and after that they introduced 19 new products into the u.s market now when they did that that's like right now today someone going up against google and saying by the way we're going to we're going to come in your backyard yeah. and we're going to compete against you. That was huge. So the reason I'm telling you that story is that they hired three people. They divided the country in three and they to basically compete against Kodak, to go after Kodak, and I was one of those three. Because uh, I know a lot about photography. Um, on No matter what type of photography it is, I know how to make it better. So I realized, you know, helping people... Um, you know, I was really good at, and I, you know, again, I, we still do jobs. I, we both, my wife and myself, she's a photographer. I met her in graduate school and, uh, we do architectural jobs. We were actually doing a huge wedding, which unfortunately I can't tell you who the person is. <laughs> it's a three day wedding. Um, but we take on jobs now that, uh, fulfilling because we're in a point in our career, but, uh, going back to, you know, education, I, I just realized uh, after I left Fuji, uh, I was doing a lot of consulting work, and then I realized we needed to create a school because we have we both have so much knowledge. And, again, we've had it for 20 years and very successful here in Los Angeles. 
what was it that attracted you to photography and and how did you end up sort mm. of being um in the studio um part of yeah, it so much uh, um I, you know and, and the reason that i asked santino just to put this in context a little bit i talked to a lot of the photographers that um that work uh for and with national geographic and they mm-hmm. they all have this uh origin story of loving wildlife or you know loving mm-hmm. photography and shooting yeah. wildlife and wanting to be with national geographic and so i'm just i'm just curious what the impulses were on you at 18 you know, sure. with with camera in hand, and and it was like, yeah. I'm not going to go out and and shoot the great white shark. I'm I'm going to do studio work. Yeah. Uh, well, just to back up a little bit, I always did uh, street work because growing up in New York City, there's so much to see there, and so much this constantly changes happen. So from the my fine art side, which is photographing the book. Uh, I would definitely photograph uh, other than in the studio. But it, it started actually when I was about uh, my uncle, uh, Sal, uh, Salvatore Dolce, uh, uh, um, Sammy, we used to call him, uh, at 10 years old, he gave me this. He, he was constantly photographing, so he was a great influence on me when I was really young. But at 10 years old, he gave me his brownie. And when I look through, this is a, a very interesting camera because you look down on it and there's like this little bubble that yeah, the viewfinder. I and remember it was them. kind of magical. Yeah, it, it, you look through this viewfinder that, that, that now we look at screens, you know, digital screens in the back, but this was like this little bubble. It was kind of magical to look through it. Um, the world looked different to me uh, through them. So it got, that's how I got into photography. And then uh, all of a sudden, being in New York City, uh, you you asked why the studio. Well, I, when I started going uh, photographing people, I realized there was an interesting, magical thing that happens to bring out people's personalities. And then when I went into the started doing more of the fashion field, uh, you know, young a young photographer being with in the fashion field it's very popular you know and then afterwards we used to go out to clubs like the studio 54 and oh, sure infinities in new york and and uh it was just uh you know very attractive uh um occupation to be in and in the studio is it, it's different than in the street because i control everything in the studio i have all my strobes my lights i know exactly where i want the light to be uh, and, uh, that to me was very fascinating because if I wanted a highlight in someone's side of their face, I could do it. Uh, if I wanted to make it even, or if I was doing a product shot of food or, uh, whatever, I knew how to light it to get the best. But when I did my street photography, again, I had those in the book and I, when we travel, we do tours for our school in Italy, uh, and I traveled all around the world. Uh, you know, like you mentioned in National Geographic, um, I just, one of the things that I, I discuss in the book is as a photographer, no matter where you are, either indoors, outdoors, in a village, or halfway around the world in, in a city you don't uh, know, is look at the light 
that's one thing I do all the time, no matter if it's indoors or outdoors, I look where the best light is. Why make it harder for yourself? Look where the best light is and photograph what you're trying to, um, again, one of the things I, I do in a book is you got to have a feeling to your photographs. And that's a hard one for people to understand because, you know, if you photograph in, uh, like I, I have um, uh, shots of children around the world. I have shots of, of uh, it, it, like there's one in the book. It's a simple shot of um, a pond. And the very edge of the pond uh, is this beautiful ripple and with this beautiful wall. So I look at every little thing, every little aspect, no matter how small it is or how big it is or how fast it's going, you have to have a feeling in your photograph. And if that's one thing that people take away from my book is that how do we capture that feeling? And again, it goes to you got to think a little bit look around you uh, and think before you click away. And then, uh, again, by clicking away, you're not really looking. How well are uh, images um, portrayed in in news and television um, at, at informing us about what's going on in the world? Oh, I think they're... Uh, uh, like right now, the uh, Ukrainian uh, war there. I think some of the photographs it, it coming out of there, um, you know, I grew up during Vietnam era. And, uh, you know, that was the first war that we actually had photographs that were uncensored. Because prior to that, World War Two, they always you know, with sense of some of the photographs. Sure. Now, with the Ukrainian war, like there was one photograph a couple of weeks ago that was, I mean, amazing because it was this little girl uh, hugging her her doll, crying hysterically with her mother behind her dead, with bullet wounds behind her. Now, as a photojournalism as long as no one is in danger, and sometimes you, you do, you probably shouldn't take the shot and, and and help that person. That's what I would do. But in this case, you could see that clearly uh, he took the shot, and people would say, how could you take a shot like that? You know, wouldn't you want to just help that person? That photojournalist is helping them more than uh, than just physically helping that person because the information gets out to the world to see what is happening there, uh, and that is more important as, an, as a, a goal to get that information out. So it was a very powerful photograph, and I, and I think these days, I, you know, things could be altered, and I, I don't know if that's where you're going with your question, but I think these days photographs are very impactful, and we see them, I mean, with social media, you know, we see things now from around the world that we never did before, you know, yeah, I, and I wonder, the world closer. I wonder sometimes when, uh, when photographs are being used to send the wrong 
message. Or, yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, and this is, you know, purely tongue-in-cheek and, and just funny, is the portrait of Abraham Lincoln that pops up on social media from time to time mm-hmm. with the quote right. underneath, you can't believe everything you read on the Internet. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and the assumption is that, you know, Abraham Lincoln said that, you know, a century before there was ever an Internet. Yeah, yeah. Now, see, the responsibility is really on the uh, viewers or the person, uh, the people who are looking at this information. I don't take anything for granted. I don't care if it comes from anywhere. So, But that puts the responsibility on the viewer to do more research. And unfortunately, society does not do that. They look no, at, we really don't. They don't. And that's what's... And, and social media people uh, like Facebook or any other outlet that does the news, they know we're getting these little bites. And in order for you to understand something, you have to research it out and go in depth in it. So uh, that's a failure on society and... I can go into, you know, a little bit more about why education uh, in this country, because, again, I taught in high schools. And for me, uh, having 35 kids in a classroom is unthinkable uh, where where private schools have 15. I think every school in the country should have no more than 15 kids in classroom. And every teacher would agree with you and every parent would love it. And our society would be much more educated. Uh, and then everybody says, well, where are we going to get the money for? Well, where did he get the money of trillions of dollars for wars? Okay. Yeah, and we just don't right. value the education. So sorry to get a little political here. No, no, no. That's... I, I, I've been into, I've been in the classroom and any classroom teacher would tell you, um, you know, you break up the classroom in thirds, basically, and you have kid, you know, one third of class who, you know, they're they're very knowledgeable and they have the the uh, parents or the time to spend on it. And then you have the middle the middle group who are you know working the best they can, and then you have the lower group who needs a lot more uh, help. So as a teacher, you only have a certain amount of time and. Unless we reduce the number of uh, kids in the classrooms, education will never change. And, and, and again, it goes to, we started this discussion, information that comes to us. And so, I, I agree you, with you, um, Santino, not just on the, on the uh, uh, classroom size, but, uh, but on, on consumers and viewers and, and uh, uh, the, the general public needing to dig down deeper on stories and images they see. And I, I remember in the first day or two of uh, the Russian invasion into uh, Ukraine, Mm-hmm. The first images I saw, I thought, all I could think about was uh, the movie Wag the Dog, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they right. they put, you know, they use images to create the impression that there's a war going on somewhere. I went and rewatched the movie because, you know, I because <laughs> I because I found myself thinking, what if this is just, you know, um a PR campaign for more aid or, or something. And, you know, I, and I hate to be that cynical and, and I don't think of myself as cynical, but I am often skeptical. And so I agree with you. 
you have to dig deeper you have to you can't just settle for the first thing you see sure and and, and again um because i've traveled around the world i have a lot of friends in different countries and you just have to talk, uh, you know i call some friends up in, in the eastern european countries and you know they're getting flooded with um uh you know immigrants uh and you could see you know we're not talking about a couple hundred we're talking about a couple million right and so you know that in itself when someone says you know that you know, sort of propaganda of like n- nothing's really happening it's just a small skirmish you don't have millions of people leaving a country when there's a skirmish like that well, Santino, I'm I'm having a really great time talking with you, but we're getting close to the end of our sure. time, and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with uh, me and the listeners this morning. But but also um, in your new book, which is uh, let me see if I can find the the whole title here. Think before you shoot: the art of taking creative photographs by my guest Santino uh, Zaffarana, who um, is. Uh, with me by phone from uh, from Los Angeles? Correct, yes. Um Santino, before we uh before we sign off, I always like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present and future. Do you have a website? Well I'll uh I have several uh one is our school website with our school website which is creative photography workshops. Uh, dot com, and uh, and then they could uh, also have a Instagram page and a Facebook page, and it's Santino dot think before you shoot, and it will take you to both Instagram and uh, Facebook pages. And the book is being sold everywhere. It just got picked up by the one one of the largest uh, gift shop distributors on the West Coast. They handle four or five states, and they have twenty six reps. And because it's become a good gift book, because not only could you learn, but there's all these great photographs in there. So if you ever want to give a gift to somebody for the holidays um, or just give somebody who loves photography, uh, look for it in, uh, you know, again, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, your local bookstores or gift shops. Well, Santino, thanks again and uh, good luck with the book and keep up the good work. Appreciate it. And if you have any, any questions, uh, let me give me a call. I'll be happy to come on your show again. All right. Thanks, Santino. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Once again, uh, renowned photographer Santino Zaffarana. And um, the name of the book is uh, Think Before You Shoot, The Art of Taking Creative Photographs. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner programs. <laughs>
Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage? Basketball or soccer? So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov slash vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. 
Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop attorney generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight the on the Tom Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well, better luck this time. Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes. Didn't I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key. Room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John, where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John, get out of that trunk, you darned fool! John, John, John! Blanche, 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 shut the door. There's a draft. Come out of that thing. All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Ow, my hand! Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow. I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin. It's a nice muffin. Um, Grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche? No! It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on! Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I I want a room with a bed. I've already signed it. You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can shut the door. No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken-down room? This is the elevator. (laughs) 
Oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. I'd hoped that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, you're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on, will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's the room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven, I gotta get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove. I'm not gonna let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I can still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. That wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawer. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd change. The second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die. I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again. Was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shame me in front of all my friends. And after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because I said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th, no children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John. I see them every day on the shredded wheat box. How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories. Mm, Yeah. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat? Left enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat? I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait. John, (laughs) 
cursor. Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats. Go to sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning. You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. <laughs> How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Gooseby. Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Gooseby? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Gooseby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't. Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel. Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight. No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me and you go into a tantrum. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey, 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 honey! Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night? Don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost. He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a vile headache. Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes, your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Mm. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. Good night, John. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner. 